right, Arisens. Time for you to wake up. I guess that's a good way of that's a good way of opening this. Uh, hi, welcome <laughs> to another uh, great episode of Grind Forever, PMB's number one RVG podcast. And today we are talking about a game that I probably have paid the most money for. Uh, I definitely have bought this the most, uh, and that would be Dragon's Dogma. And and who am I joined with today? Greg Moore, disgraced. Dragon's Dogma community manager. No, I'm not disgraced. <laughs> but, uh, Greg Moore, friend friend, and former Dragon's Dogma spokes dude. Spokes dude. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, at the time with Dragon's Dogma, I think, like, so we, and we'll announce it later. We're actually going to be working on a project for Dragon's Dogma. But yes. I don't think I did. I didn't know. Like, I, obviously, I, I knew you from your work at Capcom Unity, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. a big Capcom nerd. And, but I, for some reason, I forgot that you were working like as a community like head for Dragon's Dogma. And that's something like I said, like when we were talking about it, you were like, oh yeah, I worked on it. I was like, oh, we have to talk about this because like- <laughs> Yeah, we were already uh, talking about doing something Dogma related, right? And then I was like, oh, right. by the way, I worked on that game. <laughs> because we've been interacting just through laser time stuff for like a year or so, right? So right, <laughs> right. It was it. just like we were like when, even when we were talking about this project that we we're going to be working on, it was like, man, we should really work on something, right? Because I'm a big fan of right. your work, and I was just like, I really need to do something with Greg soon. And then, like you said, we started talking about Dragon's Dogma, and then you're like, yeah, I worked on it. I was like, oh, we have to talk about this. Um, <laughs> I think Dragon's Dogma, and I, and I don't use this as a hyperbole. I think it's, I think it was like rolled out. It was like one of the best rollouts I've ever seen, like in a game, like for maybe for just you're, my taste. You're talking right? about like the the rollout of uh, promo stuff, like the trailers. The promo yeah. stuff. I think the demos. Like you asked me, like because we were talking about like our, my experience with it, and I was clicked from the original demo. Uh, that was put out where mm-hmm. they did the uh, where you do the Griffin, the Griffin fight, yeah, yeah, and it was just like to me, like I hadn't played a lot of Monster Hunter at the time, right? So like uh-huh. this was a game where it just was, it was like every fantasy trope you wanted to do, but you could actually do it, yeah. And it was just like, wait, what is this game? So like how was like how was like going into the ramp up of of like doing the <laughs> Like being part of like, obviously like not a part of the marketing, but being around when the marketing was happening and like how you guys were talking about. Yeah, before uh, that's a good here. question. I'm glad you asked because uh, I would say that uh, we did not feel like that many people were on board the way you apparently were. Um, we, I guess I should clarify that I was a, I was a community manager. Um, so technically part of the marketing team, but uh, mm. at the time I didn't consider myself a marketer. It was like, right. you know, talk to the audience, <laughs> and um, <laughs> right, right. and uh, we so we announced the game at Captivate Miami in 2011. I think that was like, uh, it was really early in the year. It was like February or March, and that was an event mm-hmm. where you just have you'd fly a bunch of press out to some extravagant place and like sugar them up and then show them all your new stuff and hope that they would write nice things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, leading up to that announcement, uh, people were very nervous. Because this game, I don't know how much people remember this, but th- at the at the time, this was the most expensive game Capcom had ever made. Right. This was the biggest budget game, bigger than Resident Evil 5. Um, and so there was a lot riding on this. We wanted that Skyrim P- 
piece of the piece of the Skyrim pie, you know. Um, right. And uh, some of the early cuts of the trailer had like this placeholder VO that was really corny. I just remember this this like non. It was like improperly mixed voice of a guy going, the, the age of the dragon at last begins. <laughs> <laughs> and we're and everyone in the office just looked at each other and was like, that's placeholder, right? <laughs> and someone was like, I think so. Uh, but we were, I think there was a lot of concern that people wouldn't go for it because there was a lot of corny stuff going on. And I think that mm-hmm. that's become something that people love about the game. Like the pawns say a lot of silly stuff. Uh, right, but we just had no idea, and I think that the the reaction was probably smaller than we were hoping for the most expensive venture we've ever. You know, it was like right, uh, and then but then like the demo I think w- went over pretty well. Like the gameplay, I th- I think even at Captivate because we had a demo, I think we had a demo there. Uh, the Griffin, mm. and then there was the the prologue where you fight the Chimera. I think yeah. you could do both. Those seem to go over well, and um, yeah, so we we had like some hope, but it was like there was there was just so much riding on it that it was. I think the 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 feeling internally was that it was very hard to be optimistic, uh, and then uh, even as it came out, I think that the reaction was like, okay, well, people don't hate it. Uh, people seem to generally like it, but they don't they don't love it the way we kind of needed them to. Uh, and it was a bummer uh, because then for, for I guess, years after that, uh, it felt like every year there was some new article about how, you know, what's this game I never heard about? <laughs> and we were like, <laughs> dude, we, try- <laughs> we tried so hard to scream it from the hilltops. But, uh, you know, it's just uh, I think what happened was people uh, – it wasn't what people thought it was supposed to be you know you look at right. a, that game and immediately think this this is a four-player co-op game right and right. this is skyrim but uh i think that it actually hangs its hat on different things than skyrim and obviously isn't co-op and uh, it took a long time for a f- uh, much of a fan base to emerge that really appreciated the game for what it was rather than what it wasn't right mm-hmm. well i think that it's very like i think that skyrim like um that conversation is very apropos like as like this is coming out around the same time skyrim would be out later on in 2011 right so this was debuted in 2011 and skyrim would 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 have released um i think that you could kind of see some of the parallels but like like you said and i think the reason why it has this like this larger tale to it i i think there's a lot more there's a lot more openness what you can do than a skyrim i think there's a lot more like interesting things like yeah. not for me to poo-poo on Skyrim, but Skyrim <laughs> is very much like, hey, you have to like you're like you're going into like this very political drama, and then there's like drag, there's our dragons, there are other creatures, but like the bigger story is what you're doing in that world of Skyrim, right? Where right. with Dragon's Dogma, like it is to me, it 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 is almost akin to like a live action RP, like uh, like live action like D and D game. Because yeah. there are creatures that are just roaming around, and there are still factions, but like it's how you interact with them, it's your customization of of your risen, it's the customization of your pawns, right? Like, and I think that's why it has such a a large like tail to it because it it, it is it is so much of a of a, of a more granular experience mm-hmm. uh, than like a than like a Skyrim because like 
you're just doing like you're being able to to do more in that space if that makes any sense yeah well i've always looked at it as like they looked at traditional rpgs rpg video games and maybe also pen and paper rpgs and we're like we want this we want to do everything these games do but like literally you know what i mean like right right you will feel like you're 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 seeing what's in between the lines when you played something like dragon quest Mm. and um and that in, in itself i think is pretty compelling and that's why they they went for such a classical uh like fantasy art style like it feels like a very unembellished art style to me it's just like this is what a griffin looks like and we all like that's exactly what everyone thinks of when they think of a griffin it's not like a capcom griffin at least i don't think right Uh, right right i think it's because they're trying to make like the classical rpg but like rendered literally every moment you're in those shoes rather Mm. than things being represented with like you select the word fight and then he does one animation that represents him fighting but you're not really seeing him fight you know what i mean Right, like the way you would in Final Fantasy, um, but uh, yeah, there's I, there. I think that it's it's your typical Capcom case where uh, the game didn't really. Uh, I don't think that it explained itself very well, but there's mm-hmm. so much depth, uh, like boundless depth, that you can spend hundreds of hours discovering new things. You know, I'm, I've played this for. I think I've played this more than any other game, and. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, still learning things that I had no idea you could do. Like, I just, just yesterday, like, I've been messing around with the Strider class and realized that there's, like, this whole metagame about, like, thievery where you can steal. There's a stealing skill, and you mm-hmm. can, like, steal stuff from every enemy in the game, but each, each enemy has, like, a specific opportunity to steal. Uh, like, some mm. of them have to be grappled, but then there's, like, the, the prisoner cyclops that's chained up in Bitter Black. You can just mm-hmm. like walk up to him and steal a bunch of great loot and then leave the room and then come back and do it again. <laughs> so there's like <laughs> all these little exploits to discover and like you can like the game wants you to learn how to break it sometimes. Mm-hmm. And uh that's like that's what Capcom does so well. They don't do the things that Skyrim does well, I don't think. Right. Um, so rather well, it's than like, it's, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah, I'm sorry, it's just like it's not like the that break of the critical path, right? Like that's what Skyrim. Skyrim's big thing is like, you want to break the critical path. Like here's what our vertical slice is, but mm. to enjoy Skyrim, you have to go off that vertical slice. So that's the great, mm. that's that fun in that world, right? Yeah. And I think with Dragon's Dogma, it is like, here's your toys, play, it, and, yeah. and like it. And I think that is like that is a Capcom. I think that like something like some of the Capcom like franchises like do you have an issue with but i also think that's like the strength because like as soon as you figure it out it's like breath of the wild right mm-hmm. um as soon as you figure it out you're just like oh man i <laughs> literally never thought about that let me go and apply that with everything else and then you're able to kind of see like the change in everything and i, and I think that's very you know i think that's also a very strong aspect of it and i think that's why it still has its fans going into today right to- yeah, totally. Yeah, I think that you summed it up perfectly. Here's your toy is play. Uh, like, mm-hmm. Devil May Cry works the same way. Like, the, the combat is so... It's, like, basically made out of little Lego blocks. And, you like, the players will discover stuff that the designers didn't know you could do. But that's right. by design. And it's the same with Dogma, which is the same director as Devil... All, all the best Devil May Cry's. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and the worst one. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I was like... 
Like I, I mean, I, I think that. Um, oh man, if I butcher his name, I'm so sorry. Itsuno. Uh, I'll, I'll let you go ahead and say it. <laughs> Hideaki Itsuno. Uh, all right. Uh, I, I think he does really great design. And then, like for him, like I said, uh, he went on to do Devil May, you know, Devil May Cry Five. But mm-hmm. like for me personally, made some of my favorite games, like the Project Justice games. Yes. Uh, he was the pro. He was the uh, the director. Uh, Power Stone 2 co-directed Power Stone 1 which is one of my favorite fighting games of all time so good please for the love of Christ just give me another <laughs> you know Power Stone I will, I will take that uh, also J- JoJo's Bizarre Adventure a game that I don't know if a lot of, he, like he was the planner for it I don't know if a lot of people played it but when we talk about ambition like especially with this game JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is one of the most ambitious like fighting games <laughs> because going through that that um, and I don't know where else I'll be able to say this but going through the, the you know the the like adventure mode or like the story mode and like the gameplay changes for each one depending on like what the stand battle was like huh. this like it, it he's such a great you know director so this game like I said this was something I was absolutely in on um and i actually had picked it up this was going to be like one of my like a game i i, I bought originally to review was what i was writing for front twist gamer at the time so i was like oh. okay well this is a game that I'm, I'm really interested in huge capcom fan demo got it and i i put it in um the one thing that i am not a huge fan of in this game because i think especially like when you're going to replay it um and i get why it's there it's the prologue I think the prologue oh, yeah. can very much be a slog if you're just ready to go in and just try this thing out. Right. Um, which, like I said, it is necessary because it tells you, hey, here's how all these little systems work. Here's like a brief overview. But I I think it's like a, I think it's a very slow prologue, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I get the sense that prologues must be hard to design in general because they seem to often be the weakest, the weakest part of a game and not... Yeah, not hold up to repeated plays very well. Like Resident Evil Six in a very uneven game full of random crap going on. I think the prologue <laughs> is easily the worst part, and it's the part we yeah. put forward. That was like one of the free demos. Uh, yeah, but because it's weird, because it's like sort of introducing mechanics, but it's doing it in a cinematic way, so it doesn't really feel like the rest of the game. Uh, yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, like I said, it's just, and I think, like, because I think the opening of the game is actually really, really strong after the prologue, like, when you're in... When you you're face the your, dragon, yeah. Yeah, when you face the dragon. I think it's a very cool opening, and, like, it's, it, it gets your stakes in, and then you can, you know, you, you, you still get opportunities to learn the mechanics of that game and learn how different systems work within there yeah um because you know you still have to go through like you're still going through another tutorial when you go to the first camp and you have like the cyclops breaking in and then you have the you know the hydra fight like there there are still like there's still chances for you to learn mechanics Mm -hmm. but it, it doesn't just slog you down like that like the the prologue opening does and it's just one of the things where i was just like Man, if we could just take that part out, yeah. like, think of how much fun it would just be. If you're like, all right, you're going to create your Risen, and then you're going to create your Pawn, and like be able to actually go through all this stuff. Makes me wonder what people do when they play speedrun mode. Like, what's the quickest way to get through this log at the start? <laughs> I wonder. I actually should do. I've, I don't think I've ever watched a full-on speedrun 
of Dragon's Dogma? I think I should. I wonder just because yeah. like I wonder what I wonder what they would do. Or like if someone has modded out because I know like again, this isn't just I think this was just like the game design around this time period because I know Fallout Three mm-hmm. also very famously has a very long prologue. Uh, oh, yeah. It doesn't really let you go in and play anything, right? right? So, um, I, you know, I wonder if this was just like, a, a, just like, here's what we, this is how we design games in their you know, like early 2010s, right? <laughs> it's just like you have to kind of really learn and then you can go out and enjoy it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I do remember the Fallout 3 when you're in the vault for like a really long time. A really long time. It's like it's it's very like it's it's very middling and like I said, at least with Dragon's Dogma, I mean you're going out, you're fighting harpies, you know, you're you're fighting the goblins, which I love the goblins design on here because it's <laughs> like it it's like you said, it's it's very it is all very like you know classical art style. Like mm-hmm. all the creatures have like a more of a western bent, but like. It still looks very like unique. Like to me, it reminds me of like Claymore designs of like their, uh, like the 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 manga Claymore, like their designs of their like kind of like uh like demons and stuff. Like, and that's what I loved about this game was just like the designs were just it was just so like almost very uniquely like like uh you know like Middle European, but like a, a very specific time frame. You know, so do you, it's just like you... I, like. So you do see a bit of a, like a manga influence in there. It's possible that I just like, I'm I'm like ignorant to what those influences are. I mean, it's, Mm. it's interesting because, uh, stuff like goblins and, uh, like ogres have, uh, like a common ancestor or something in Japanese folklore with Oni. Uh, and so they, yeah, they like sort of cover for each other really well. (laughs) Right. Right. But I, 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 I do agree, like, it's not fully, like, an Oni... Like, if you're looking at, like... If, if I'm looking at, like, old Japanese art, if I'm looking at, like, mangas that, that do depict, like, Oni, right? Like, or mm-hmm. any kind of, like, um... Uh, uh, like, like, yokai, right? Like, mm-hmm. it's not, like, that kind of design. It is still more of a Western design, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking of, like, manga code, like, that have taken that Western design and, and like, kind of infused it into the manga. Thing. Like I said, yeah. stuff like Claymore, like... I, I still say it's, like, it's not, like, berserk level, but, like, kind of, like, you can kind of see, like, twinges of berserk. Like, you can see where that, where you have that Western influence that's been filtered through a Japanese style. Yeah, You can yeah. see that that kind of animation in some of the creatures on here. But then, like you said, like, the griffin, that is just a Western griffin, right? Yeah. Uh, the cyclops <laughs> is just a Western cyclops. Like, you can definitely see the different ones, but, like... Mm-hmm. I, I I think like it's it's a good mix of it for my you know from what I'm looking at. And they definitely like it seems like Berserk in particular was a, has been a big influence on Capcom for a while. But they even did a collaboration mm-hmm. with Berserk. Do you remember this? It was like it probably uh, hasn't been in any of the ports. But mm. there, there was like so there was a Berserk like OVA or something uh, around the time that Dra- uh, Dogma first released. And there was gear that you could get in the game to look like guts. Huh. I don't remember this at all. I mean, it, it to me, it makes sense, right? Like, because that's like the big, especially like with a lot of like, um, 
Monster Hunter, right? Like a lot of Monster yeah. Hunter, it's like that very of uh, the official license like gear to make it look like you know make make your hunter look like other characters. I think that I mean to me that would just make sense, right? Like to make your character like I I, I guarantee you you will have probably found someone who's done like a a YouTube tutorial like here's how to make guts in this game. Yeah, you know? yeah, no doubt. So well, yeah. yeah. To, I'm sorry, go ahead. We I was gonna say we actually streamed it uh, when when that. Uh, I guess when the game first came out, we were like, here's how you get the guts stuff so you can look like us. We didn't we didn't actually yeah. like make his face or anything, but Right, just, right, right. Yeah. I do want to talk like so like I said, uh I, I think after you get to the prologue, which is just like you know, it is what it is. I do think it's a very again, a very strong um opening to mm-hmm. the sh- uh to the game. Um I think like it's really cool to see the dragon come down and like for some like I at first I was like Oh, it's corny that the dragon talks to you and is like, I'm going to eat your heart and like, we are forever linked. But then like, as you play more and as I think about it more, it's like, it's corny, but like it works <laughs> and it's a great way of like, it, like, it's a great call to action, right? Like when you ever do any of these kind of games, you want that call of action. It is great. Like, Hey, you like burned, <laughs> you burned down my village. You, uh, you like, you ate my heart. Yeah. I'm going to go hunt you down. And that's kind of like just the gist of it, and then you go forward. Like, I don't know. I, I thought it was a very, I thought it was a very strong, smart, a very strong start. And then, like I said, I think the opening village, like the first couple times I played through it, I didn't realize there was just so much more happening in that village. There's a so lot. Like, I just, yeah. you're right. So I was just like, when I first started playing, I was like, all right, I'm just gonna go. You know, I'm gonna go to that first camp because that's what I have to do. And then, like, I think at one point I was just like, what if I just looked around? Yeah, and then like I just looked around and like there's just so much you can do in that first village. Yeah, like the whole uh, like the well that you can go down and there's like a whole dungeon down there. Right, a, a thing that I didn't know until like my fourth or fifth time yeah. playing. <laughs> yeah, you can totally miss. I mean, and the whole game is full of stuff like that where like um, it's like I don't know exactly how it works, but there's almost something like pseudo Dead Rising where um, there are like certain world events that you can miss if you let too much. It's not. It's not like a, a a clock. It's not like an actual clock running down. But it's like certain mm-hmm. events on the main campaign will change what else is going on in the world. So if you get too far in the main story, you'll miss opportunities to do like other really substantial side stuff, like the the Witchwood stuff with uh. Mm-hmm. What's what's her face? The goth, <laughs> like the witch <laughs> goth. Um, uh, not Lilith. I can't think of her name all of a sudden. But um, yeah, like I play. I, I think it took me like four playthroughs to figure out how to actually do her side stuff. Um, right. Because every time I'd go to Witchwood, there would be like a dead golem blocking the path. But yeah, you just have to. You just have to go earlier on, and then um, there's like. This whole back witchwood area that's like really nice and full of golems to fight, and then you get to like hang out with the goth. <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's Celine. Celine. So Celine. Celine. It is yeah, Celine. Yeah, yeah, Celine. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, like, like you said, I I didn't know about that. I didn't know about the well. Um, I did. Um, I think you talked about it. I did accidentally go to the the end game, like island. Um, as well. Oh, like yeah. From the first, yeah, and like, 
that's not fun. Yeah, weird. Uh, I've heard that before. I think that's like semi-common to accidentally wind up in Bitter Black Isle, which is like, mm-hmm. f- like just teeming with high-level monsters. <laughs> so yeah, you don't want to wind up there by accident. No, it's definitely it's definitely not fun. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I. I thought the character creator also very fun to deal with, uh, to make, like you can make so many, like, there's, it's such a detailed character creator for mm-hmm. something that made so like such a, like I would say a long time ago, it's like 10 years, not too long. Right. But like when we were talking about like character creators and I think this is like, other than like monster hunter stuff, like mm-hmm. this is like the first, like, I think really big in depth character creator that Capcom has done, right? Yeah, like yeah, this definitely. would be this would be before the first big, like Monster Hunter World is the first big, big console Monster Hunter in like years, right? Yeah, yeah, they hadn't. Um, it's kind of the first big Monster Hunter, console Monster Hunter ever, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like right. depending on how you view the PS2 ones, <laughs> but like, <laughs> yeah, uh, they uh, yeah they did. Uh, make the character creator a lot more robust for that i think i think it used to just be like you had a handful of like face options and then like tattoos skin tone but like dogma like even let you uh customize the height of the character like pretty drastically i saw this uh, like video or something yesterday it was like this this guy who was playing as a giant hulking warrior and then he had like a tiny petite sorcerer and they looked like they belonged in different games or something i don't know it was just like hard to believe that uh it, that kind of thing didn't like completely break the game <laughs> <laughs> right no it, it's like it's just there's there's just so many really cool things you can do with it um when you first played what was the first class that you did like because when you first start uh, you can do mage you can do fighter you can do it's strider. it's strider right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think I, st- I probably tr- uh, started with Strider because I always like the fast uh, characters who can do lots of hits. Um, mm. Yeah, I think it was probably Strider. I, you? I know for I know for a fact I was magic. I loved mm. like being able like I, I I'm a huge fan of magic in, in games. Like I like a magic fighter variant, which is where like. Like and this is what I loved about the game as we and we'll talk about the advanced forms in a second. But you gotta like make, you know, these advanced forms. But I always like starting off with magic because like it's such great crowd control. And like and especially like in a game like this, like there are times where you just need to be like, I just need to get rid of everything right away. So like <laughs> it just allows you to be like, All right, I'm just gonna cast like fireball. And then like one of the things that was really I was really cool with the mage like I really enjoyed about mage, especially once you got your pawn. Like mages could imbue magic into other people's weapons, so it was like this weird, yeah, like really cool support class, yeah. And I don't know, I just thought that was really, really interesting. Yeah, like the magic users are are great supporters, and they kind of have some of the most powerful moves in the game, <laughs> like most powerful absolutely types. yes. It's a uh, not only that, but almost everything is weak to fire. <laughs> so like early on, especially when you're fighting lots of goblins and wolves. Just having like a simple fireball attack is actually super helpful. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, fire, man. Like, cause like you said, as you do that opening part, you're just like fire. It's like, oh, it, it all catches on fire. Oh, like, oh, this is great. Uh, <laughs> this makes it so much easier. Uh, especially like you said, dealing with like wolves. I. So again, like, I don't think a thing this game has been praised enough. It's like 
the AI is really, really good. Hmm. And like really, I think the AI really works like how it should attend to be, right? Like the wolves are not just like, it's not just an RPG of just like aimless wolves. Like the wolves will cry out to other wolves and they will come out. If the, if oh. you are too strong, they will spread out. And I think that's such a really, just like as a creature, as a creature character design, like I think that's really, really cool. And like you said, it comes in like with bandits, like you'll see like, Arches that are that are put up high, but like are is not just like up there for decoration. Like sometimes, like they'll just wait for you to come in at the right spot and then call and then start firing. Right? Like yeah. it, it's just like I, I've always loved like the character, the character, the the enemy placement in there because they felt the AI feels very realistic, as if you were playing like an MMO with all these like yeah. with someone controlling those characters right like it's still very rudimentary because like you can only teach an ai but so much but yeah. i think like how the ai interacts with you i think that's very interesting that's actually you know i, I don't think i've ever heard anyone point that out and that's a good point i've never really thought about the enemy ai because i think they get overshadowed by the pawn ai which is mm. a mixed bag <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah, I mean, we can go right into the pawns then. Like, <laughs> so you get to you can create your own pawn, right? Which is basically yep. like a secondary character that you, that you can put in there. But one of the cooler things in like, because the game doesn't have multiplayer, like you stated, but like you could trade pawns. So like, if me and Greg were playing, we could trade the same pawns. And let's say Greg, because let's say you got further than I have, mm -hmm. your pawn will recognize like the weaknesses of the enemies, like where special placements are. And then when they go into my realm, I will be able to look at that. Like that pawn will be like, Hey, I remember this. And again, like, like you said, I, I think it can be a mixture of, it can work really well, or it can be really bad depending on, you know, <laughs> how the AI kind of reads all that stuff through. But again, that's where the ambition comes in, right? Like this is a very right. ambitious game. And I, and I think that's very interesting. Yeah. At the best of times, uh, it, it feels miraculous the way the pawns will do exactly what you're, what you wanted. Uh, other times it, you just can't help but think, man, this game would be so much more fun if these were human players that I was playing with. Like just the other day, right. um, I was, I was in like the open open field, and I was like, at the top of this cliff, looking down, and there's a chimera way down below, you know, like thirty feet below, uh, mm. and it was just like stalking around. So I was trying to snipe it, and and for a very specific purpose, I had a party that was all rangers, so we were all archers, mm. right, and, right? And so I'm just shooting the crap out of this chimera, and it can't do anything. And all three of my pawns are standing in a row, just looking. <laughs> and I'm like, guys, you have bows. <laughs> and one of them just keeps going, I'll scale the beast over and over. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, that's what they do when they're going to climb something. But he couldn't actually do it because the thing was 30 feet below. But the pawn didn't seem to understand that. Uh, nor right. was it going to, like, it, it wasn't close enough for the pawns to understand that they could shoot it either. So they were just standing there bumbling around. I'm like, this is... This is one of those things where like the, the game falls apart and the pawns just look like these idiots. <laughs> and this is what we were terrified of people noticing right out the gate um, about right. the game is that it often turns into an unintentional comedy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, like, it, and that's, that's the thing when you, I mean, when you litter the world with just, with just like NPCs, because 
like you said, there's no there's no multiplayer. Like that's kind of the like that's the trade off you get. Yeah. Right. Um. But like, did did you did were you privy to anything about uh, Dragon's Dogma Online? I know I don't even know mm. if that came out here. I don't think no, it, it ever came out here. No, it's just the just Japan, as far as I know. Um, I've all I've heard about it was stuff I heard from friends who you know faked an IP address so that they could play it. <laughs> and uh it sounds like it was pretty pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, I mean like I think that's like I know a lot of people have been wanting a like a sequel to this and I am yeah. 100% there, right? Like I yeah. would man Dragon's Dogma 2 to like today I'd be like let's go. Like I I definitely want it, but like I don't know, like I I I'm just thinking of like to me a Dragon's Dogma online seems like a perfect idea especially like we live in a world where like like these free-to-play mmos are like are just ubiquitous mm -hmm. and like something like that would just work so well like if if final fantasy 15 like especially after you know shadow brokers and a realm reborn like was able to get like this weird like magic of like people being like i get it now and now that everybody like i i see all the time especially like a lot of like analytical twitter um, like now do these like really intensive breakdowns on dragon's dogma mm -hmm. like i would love to see like that ecosystem that free-to-play ecosystem here because like i think people would gravitate to it right like i think it's just something like the only thing i would fear is like people would be like oh this is a lot like breath of the wild be like well no because <laughs> yeah like, that's easily diffused <laughs> by pointing out that this was first and therefore they have no cred <laughs> uh, um I'm sorry, go ahead. But, well, but yeah, but as you were saying, like for what it was, I think that the, um, the it, it's basically like an asynchronous multiplayer mm. uh, component, right? You can uh, borrow each other's pawns, and then um, there's a bunch of stuff that is under-explained in the game that's actually like the best part. Like you can um, not... So like when you borrow someone's pawn, and then you release that pawn later... Uh, mm -hmm. you can like you can give the pawn a rating uh, and then you can like leave a little comment and you can leave them with a gift and the gift the the items that you are allowed to give as gifts are mostly like pretty inconsequential like you can give them a fish or you can give them right, a healing right. potion you know but what they don't I don't think they even tell you this um, you can also equip gear on the pawn and send right. them away with the gear and then your friend or whoever owned that pawn uh, gets that gear and so you can like and then they can put it on their main character or they could right. keep it on the pawn and you can you can do that with like key items so like oh my like I've, my wife plays this game too and mm. she got further along in the story than me and so she had like the key to this gate and i was like can you send me that key i want to i want to like sequence break <laughs> and, and it turns out yes you can send the key uh, there was a time I was playing on the stream back when we used to stream this at Capcom and I was mm. struggling so much in bitter black with the, uh, with the, the prisoner Cyclops. Yeah. And one of the, uh, viewers, they, uh, they borrowed my pawn and then sent him back with a bunch of rusted swords and stuff. And I was like, rusted mm. swords, what's that for? And they were like, just equip it, equip it on your pawn. And so I did, and it turns out that, like, the leveled-up version of the Rusted Sword causes, like, severe slowdown for the uh, 
whatever it hits. Oh. And so it was yeah, like yeah. more valuable than giving him a strong weapon. Was giving him a weapon that just made <laughs> it's just the Cyclops out. like punch it, like you know, swing like once every ten seconds. <laughs> but I, that's another thing. Like you said, with the with the with the weapon, like again, like like not to equate everything to 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 you know Legend of Zelda, but that's what we are. That's what gaming is now, right? Like everything yeah. is like, uh, like Legend of Zelda is now the Rosetta Stone of like video games. <laughs> but like, everyone's like very like like very like upset or like or like the weapon degradation in Zelda is like this whole conversation. But I thought like the the weapon upgrades and like the specific upgrades, like you said, learning how each different weapon works, like the rusted weapons, like moving them forward, like in Dragon's Dogma, a game again. Came out years before, you know, Breath of the Wild. I thought that was very interesting because, like you said, you could get something that may look unuseful, but then, like, as you put more effort and time into it, they become, like, these very, you know, albeit maybe situational, but these very, like, in impressive and intriguing weapons that you can mm -hmm. use. Yeah, like, they'll, they'll have some one specific effect or application and if you think outside the box, you'll realize that you like it's exploitable, and th mm. that's like that's all fair game because that's how these games work. Like uh, when I was uh, working on uh, DMC Devil May Cry the reboot um, mm. the, from Ninja Theory, they talked about how uh, because because they were actually working very closely with Itsuno uh, Itsuno-san, the original director, uh, they told. Mm. They they told us that um, he had a kind of simple philosophy, which was if if the player feels like they should be able to do something, they should be able to do it. So try as as many ways as possible to facilitate that. And the, the example that they were talking about at the time was parrying. In DMC, uh, the way it works is basically any enemy attack can be parried if you if you if you just attack their attack with the right timing. And it's a really right. simple mechanic, but it's really satisfying, and it just feels correct, you know? Like, if an enemy mm. swings something at you, and you swing something back, it should, like, do something, right? Uh, right. And I feel like uh, Dogma is full of stuff like that. Just, like, you think about it, and you're like, well, are they going to let me do that? Usually they'll let you do it. Like, um, when you play as Mystic Knight, uh, which is my favorite oh. class. I think they're the coolest. Yeah. Um, they've got, like this uh they've got this move where they like i forget what it's called magic cannon magic cannon where they like mm -hmm. summon this orb in front of them and then if you attack the orb it shoots a couple fireballs um so like the right. first discovery most people will make if they play as that class is that you can you can plant like as a bunch of magic cannons and if you attack them then instead of shooting like three fireballs at once you'll shoot like a ton of fireballs at once but then there's other there's other things like where you'll do an attack that has like multi hits, like you have uh, the magic shield, and if you if you parry with the magic shield, like if you block it just the right time, you'll do like a counter attack, mm. uh, where you like shoot fire from your shield. If you do that into your magic cannon, you shoot like a giant stream of crap. Like <laughs> it's just <laughs> like it looks game breaking. Like you're just. Um, it, but it, what it is is you're combining the effects of two moves, and right. they like it's one of those things where they could have just um, they could have just made it so every attack 
with like every attack you do on the magic cannon works like has the same result but no like they they let all these different attributes of each attack stack um so you can like exploit the hell out of it <laughs> if you like yeah. experiment yeah no and it's like because like mine was like my, my favorite was magic archer right and mm-hmm. like and like you said just being able to go in and just like pop off these moves like you said that, that just seemed like naturally it would just be by like they would just be moves that you would just use by themselves and then being able to combine and create them to these like very cool effects or just like even like the regular effects like the vortex the vortex like trail shots like with the magic archer just like i was just like i'm just going to hit this person and then all of a sudden they are just gone <laughs> right and it was just <laughs> like i'm like like the first time i did it i was like wait what and like i actually so i accidentally did it in a town and i just see everything get sucked up and then there's like guards and i was like oh i gotta go <laughs> like I, I this i have to go but like i think stuff like that like again like when we talk about like the 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 joy of doing something like and, and the reason i use D as opposed to like a like a traditional jrpg it's like with the jrpg a lot of those systems like there's not a lot because of how it's structured, especially with turn base. There's not a lot you can do to make like these grandiose like like uh, combos, right? It's the reason yeah. why something like Chrono Trigger is like it's so like the the battle system is so well well regarded because you can do those like setup combos, right? Mm-hmm. Like the dual techs and the tri techs. Mm-hmm. Um, but like when I think of something like D and D, the thing that's fun about D and D, other than like being able to play and do whatever you want, like in out of combat. In combat, it's the very interesting things that you don't think about from these very, you know, finite things, right? Like if I if I have a cre- if I have a character that can do assassinate and I have darkness, like you know, if I can see the darkness, I'll just cast darkness and then I can sneak behind somebody. And that's something that you don't mm. like you don't actively think about. Yeah. It's just like these are things that you can use in the system. And yeah. I think that's what Dragon Dogma does great. It's like I might not think that I have this oil, like I have this like thing of oil that I could throw and then I could cast, you know, ignite or cast, you know, fire. And then it makes this explosion. I don't <laughs> think that, but like logically it makes sense. Right. And if I do it, it makes sense. And like, now I've created this fireball and like half of these creatures can't withstand it. Right. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's what's, and that's, what's really cool about it. I, again, like I said, I, I think the toy box, you know, analogy makes sense. And I think that's what works well with this because like, it's not it, it doesn't push the fact of like it's this it's this standard standard array going to this standard array and blah 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 blah. It's does this make sense? Like as yeah. like as a person thinking, does this logically make sense? Okay, cool. You can do it. And like that's that's really neat to me. Yeah, that totally that's a good point. I kinda of forgot about that, but like you can't you always have bottles of oil, right? Because you have to fill your right. lantern to see at night. But yeah, if you try throwing that at an enemy, it makes them highly flammable. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> they didn't have to do it, but they did. Right. It's it, it's just so great. Um, I'd be remiss to talk talking about Dragon's Dogma and not. I know we talked a little bit about it, but not talking about like the great, just giant monsters oh, <laughs> that yeah. are roaming around this world. Like I, the the first big thing, other than like you know the chimera you do in the. Tr- in the in the prologue is like just the giant cyclops right um which it's like it shows you like it's not a difficult 
creature, especially because you're fighting it with the whole garrison, right? <laughs> but it, it, it gives you, like, the thing that's like, hey, aim for the eye. Like, this seems, like, silly for me to say this, but aim for the eye. But it allows you to look at, like, everything that goes into, like, fighting a giant monster. Or the Hydra. Hey, you want to climb up the head? Like, that was the thing that I loved, was being able to climb up the head and, then, like, slash at the head. And, like, I'm, I'm one of these, like, Greek, like, heroes that I've read about going up and slicing the hydra yeah. at its head or whatever but no it's just they were always really cool um do you have like any like like big fight that you remember like with one of the monsters that like really stuck out to you oh dude i mean yeah like that's definitely my favorite aspect of the game is just monster hunting and, and i do feel right. like it it's it, it's sort of like a more instant gratification version of monster hunter uh, like where they they took the the general feeling of hunting like these giant majestic beasts but like it's not going to take you 40 minutes and there's a lot more <laughs> like there's a lot more feedback right like when you shoot the cyclops right. in the eye he immediately reacts and he, it's a big reaction he like covers his eye for a while and then he can't right. see he'll like swing blindly where in monster hunter like monsters have weak points but it's mostly expressed f through like damage values um, right. So this felt like they were, in that sense, it felt more Western, like West friendly. I think Western gamers at the time didn't get stuff like that about Monster Hunter. They wanted the big mm. reactions. So yeah, that's like I, I spend the, the vast majority of my time in Dogma hunting monsters. My, I think the most standout fight, by far, was uh, versus Death in uh, Bitter Black Isle. Yeah. This this whole this whole rendition of death is like i think the ultimate achievement of, of this game it's so terrifying every time he shows up i get the mm. same like chill <laughs> um uh, for people who don't know he it's like there there are he's this giant billowy robed grim reaper with the sickle like the most classical uh yeah. you know depiction of the grim reaper you can imagine but um he's He's in Bitter Black Isle, which is this giant dungeon, and he, he appears at specific spots uh, sort of at random. And he's mm. got, like, a ton of health. He's very strong. His sickle will kill you in one hit. And he's got a lantern that puts you to sleep if, it, if you, like, get caught in the area of effect. And it'll do the same to your pawns. The, the scariest part is if he, kills, if he hits your pawns with the sickle, um, they don't just get KO'd they disappear so you can't revive them um so mm, there's yeah, yeah. like it's just this way to give you a like this bit more feeling of uh just like danger than than any right. other enemy in the game right nothing else in the game does that he he does like there is no reviving your pawns so you have to be extremely careful uh and for like until you're like level 100 you basically can't even touch him um, right. But what happened was, I, I was I was just grinding away back on the PS3, and I uh, and I went from running in terror every time he showed up at all to like taking pot shots at him and then running in terror to then hunting death, and then I, like I I got really into the meta game of like hunting death and like learning that you can put bait down in certain rooms to make him show up, uh, and then and it was still like dangerous, but. 
Um, but you're kind of ready to, to counter that danger, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, y- your stats were much more buff, so, like, you could kind of hold your own. But what happened was uh, I was – I had gone into what I expected to be the final showdown with death. Cause like his, that's the other thing is his health, his damage is, is permanent. So if you, right. if you take down a health bar and then run away and he, and he pieces out, then hours later when you encounter him again, he, he will still be missing that health bar. So it's like a fight that takes place over many game hours. Um, mm. But yeah, so this was going to be the final showdown and he, he managed to kill my entire party except me. And I was on the ropes, and then I tried to run around the corner to heal, but I got caught with just, like, the edge of his area of effect of his lantern, so I fell asleep. And I'm like, crap, he's going to, like, so now he's just going to come up and sickle me, and that's it. But I had a bunch of ricocheting arrows bouncing all over the hallway because I was a magic archer, and I had shot, Mm. I had fired one off before I died, or before I fell asleep, and one of those arrows just happened to bounce off a wall and hit him out. Of, like I couldn't even see him cause he was like around a corner. And so right. I just like hear some horrible noise <laughs> and then, and, <laughs> and then like the triumph music. And I'm like, I just killed death while asleep. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my ultimate monster fight for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I want to go back to one that you brought up earlier, like the, the prisoner Cyclops. Mm. Um, I thought that was a really, really cool fight. Um, just like one, I love the Cyclops designs in this game, and the prisoner Cyclops just like looks like really, really cool. Um, but it's just like the just like going into like a fight like that, like having to like make sure that you know you're not within the range of its attacks, mm-hmm. like um, trying to the to knock the mask off its face, like, right? Like just like doing these things of like of like. Like you said, it's it is like Monster Hunter where I'm pre planning before we go and do this big fight. But like you said, it one of the things I love Monster Hunter. I I, I want to be like I am I am looking forward to getting my copy of Ri- Rise from Amazon. I love it. Nice. But like you said, there is a disconnect of like if I do something that looks that could look really cool with Monster Hunter, but then like the creature. Like they might stumble, then they'll get back up, and it's like, all right, I'm gonna go off to this next area. Like that is disheartening. But if you do something like really cool here, like if I knock down the bat, like it's it's down, right? And it's just like uh, it's almost like um, it's almost like you know with Punch Out, where like where you set stuff up, and like it will gradually like decrease like your your opponent's like uh, defenses or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one thing I felt like about this fight. It's like, all right, I can go ahead and plan in, and this is what this is what I know it's going to do. So this is what I want to do, or this is like how I want to set up, you know, my pawn right. so that we can go through. Yeah, and because I know, I, because he's imprisoned when you first get there, you can sort of set yourself up for success before he has a chance to even like try and touch you, right? Right. Right. It, it's a it's a cool like. Uh, dynamic flip too because by that point in the game the cyclops has sort of been established as the weakest of the giant monsters Uh, right but then you get to this one cyclops that's like three stories tall and like has this tremendous reach uh and is one of the strongest enemies in the game so all of a sudden they're scary again even though and it's almost like the the fact that he's chained up just builds even more tension you're like okay 
I know he's going to break out of those chains and then it all hell all hell is going to break loose and that's exactly what <laughs> <Right>. happens. <laughs> no, it's like it's just so much fun but like you said like uh just that the aisle bearing black aisle. What a just like fun like for post game just like hey you thought you saw what you could do in this game. You haven't seen anything yet. Like here's an mm-hmm. a just aisle of just like the most terrifying shit that you could see. <laughs> Here you go. Like, like you thought you were ready, but you, but you weren't. And I, and I, I think, like I said, I think that's just really cool about this game. It's just there's just so much more untapped. I think, and what's really cool, like you said, with all the effort that was put into there, I don't even think we've seen everything that could be in that game, right? Like, I think yeah. that we are still going to be discovering things. I think that's really, really fun. Yeah, I mean, probably. There's, I mean, the the community is really. Uh, like deep into it and I just feel like that like it's one of those games where checking out the wiki or the reddit or the discord uh, will actually really enrich the experience because a lot of people have discovered some really like just fascinating stuff uh, yeah bitter black I think it's one of the best expansions to a game I've ever seen and um, uh, I, I would say the best part of the whole game uh, yeah I, I probably yeah stop me if I, you probably, feel I would agree with you on that I, I would, yeah. like, no no I, I, I agree with that for real because I think one of the the bigger problems dogma has is that the open world itself the they call it Granzis, uh mm. which I always think of Kansas <laughs> uh, it doesn't it's not very compelling on its own I don't think there's not much to do in the open world uh, and it's it's quite hard to get around because you have a stamina right. bar and it's it's big and sprawling and there's lots of uh, sort of empty space. Uh, And then, and I think that especially on the original hardware, it just didn't look very good because they had to modify their proprietary engine, the MT framework Mm -hmm. to do open world. And I just don't think that it was uh, like the PS3 and 360 handled it very well. And then the game would, would look so much better as soon as you went into an indoor environment, you know, like when you're, you're in the catacombs and all of a sudden there's lighting, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. You could see the, you could enjoy the world. No, I, I think I told you off air, uh, it broke my PS3. Right. Uh, like I said, I was playing it for review. I was going like, it's when you go into that first, the first big city and you're, you're going under, like after you've gone to the pond, like the pond kind of recruitment camp or whatever. Uh, you go into that building underneath uh, where the cults are and you, they, they are summoning the giant, the hands. And like, as the cult meeting went on, mm. my, it just froze. Right. And I, I pulled the disc out and I was like, okay, I just, I literally just bought this game. I don't see why there's any scratches. There's like, there's no scratches on here. I have no idea. I went to put it back in and the disc drive just, Kaput. It just went out. And like, which was a bummer because I was like, oh man, I like, especially like at the time, we, you didn't get like, you, we got like physical disc, right? Like all yeah. my review codes at the time, or copies at the time were physical discs. So I was just like, oh man, uh, <laughs> what do I do now? But like I said, it's a game that I liked enough that I went, rebought it for the PS3, bought it for the PS4, bought it for the Switch. Like, I, I I really it bought it for PC like I I just really loved it but like yeah I don't think it was I think that game comes out as a PS like PS three a PS four launch I think it might have done it a little bit better maybe 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 built out that world a little bit more yeah because I do agree with you I think Grandis is just like it is just there and it is so big without any kind of like 
like you can fast travel through the cities, but like if you wanted to actually explore the worlds, mm -hmm. like you could find yourself in a bad spot. And I think that's also like, I think exploring Granny is like, if you were to populate it a little bit more and made it a little bit easier to explore through it, yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting things you can find. Like I remember like my second or third time playing, just like finding a pirate alcove out of nowhere, <laughs> right? Yeah, and it was just like this is really cool. And like, I wish I would have known about this. Yeah. Like, you know, I do think like moving it to like later hardware would have given it enough time to kind of explore out and do cooler things. Yeah. And I, I really think this is one of those games where if they did a sequel, it would be like, there's so much that I think they would be able to address um, that like, it just makes you want one so bad. And like Devil May Cry 5 has some environments that look very Dragon's Dogma and it's like a lot of the same team. So it just makes you wonder like, are they, they got something cooking? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I hope, oh, I hope, uh, I couldn't, couldn't help less. Um, speaking Greg, of, have you seen, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, speaking of the fast travel, um, you mm -hmm. mentioned fast travel. Uh, it is a pain uh, because the way it works is if you have to use an item, you have there's two items. There's like a there's a teleporter and a teleportee. <laughs> you have the fairy stone. You have the port crystals, right? And the port crystals are these right. things. You can only get like nine or ten total, I think. And the like it's open ended, so you can place them anywhere you want in the open world, and then you use a fairy stone to teleport to them. Right. Uh and it's a pain because you have to you have to acquire these stones throughout the course of the game and then you have to plant them manually. Uh Right. And if you want like if you've planted all the stones you have and you, then you want a fast travel point somewhere else, you have to move one. Uh but you can like if you make a co like a concerted effort to just like put some time into pl like plotting out these fast travel points uh, it becomes kind of a compelling metagame in a way very similar to uh, Death Stranding where you're like building highways and like, right. zip lines and then like what used to be this slog that took forever to get to a certain area is now like you could just teleport there uh, but you had to you had to like set up the infrastructure yourself. I feel like mm. that's like one of several things Death Stranding probably took from Dragon's Dogma. Is like this feeling yeah. of, of like taming the <laughs> land. You know what I mean? Like it starts right. off really hard to get anywhere, but if you put in the effort, you can actually uh, plot out these fast travel points so that you can get pretty much anywhere really quickly. Right. I just feel like Death Stranding did a better job at it. Right. And obviously, Definitely. like years of war design, and I think I think Kojima also made that world very like very set up for that. Yeah, that's um, like the whole point of the game, right? Is doing stuff right. Like that. Right. Um, I did want to ask Greg mm -hmm. before before we bounce out. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the Dragon's Dogma anime? No, you know I forgot. <laughs> I actually <laughs> forgot about it. Is it. Have you seen it? I have not, and the reason why I haven't seen it, I've heard a lot. One, I I think the cool thing, like I think Dragon's Dogma story is fine, mm -hmm. but I think the the interesting thing is the story you make up with Dragon's Dogma. Like I said, it's. It is like D and D, where you kind of create can create your own lore within it. Yeah, I think that's more interesting than the lore. And then, like, apparently, and again, this is me not seeing a second of it, but like, it goes a little bit more into like making its own version of the lore. And then, like, 
there it, it's it, I, i've heard it's not great i, I would, one of the things i've heard it's like it, it it's like trying to be berserk but yeah. without any of the pathos of berserk it's like a lot of shock factor for shock factor value uh which isn't great um yeah so I'm not, I'm not sure if this is me rec i'm like i'm i'm actually no i know for a fact i'm not recommending <laughs> the dragon's dogma anime i just like i haven't seen it and i i don't think anyone else should see it and that's just that's how i'm going to say it with that yeah, I mean, my feeling with with game adaptations in general is is usually, you know, I've, I've never played a game I like and thought, you know, what would be cool is if I didn't have to play this game. You know, <laughs> uh, I did. I, I thought the Castlevania one was pretty good, um, right? But yeah, I don't know. Dogma. I don't think that it's like I don't know. There's. I, I feel like there's already the right amount of story in the game. And focusing more on the story of Dogma probably wouldn't be that good. And yeah, like it feels like if you're just gonna try and channel Berserk, uh, I think you're better off just watching Berserk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, look, you can watch Berserk, you can read Berserk, you can watch the Berserk remake anime. Even though, why would you do that? It's it looks <laughs> awful. And it's not good. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Like I said, Dragon's Dogma. What a what a great game. What a game that deserves a little bit more love. And this is me officially announcing it. So going into, by the time this airs, this month, uh, both Greg and I are going to uh, be kind of co-streaming, uh, playing two different uh, playthroughs of Dragon's Dogma. Uh, Greg, you're going to be going through uh, the the aisle, correct? Yeah, well, I thought I would focus on, yeah, I mean, we. I, I thought I would just focus on like my two favorite things in the game, which are the Everfall mm. and Bitter Black Isle. I've just unlocked. So Bitter Black Isle, for those who don't know, it it loops. You play through it once, you fight a boss, and then you play through it again, and all the all the enemy layouts are different and harder. I just unlocked that second loop, so that might be a good place to stream, just because it's it's just like nonstop horrible monsters. <laughs> <laughs> right, and uh, I. I have modded my game right. <laughs> of Dragon's Dogma. Uh, so we are going to play through. We are going to go through the opening. We're going to do a, a, a playthrough. I'm going to say it's a normal playthrough. Uh, we will see how many dumb mods I can pull off uh, while doing through Dragon's Dogma. I thought it would be really fun. Like I said, I wanted to work with Greg with something, and we both love this game. So I, I figured it would be really cool to kind of – like uh trade off uh doing it so greg is going to be doing actual real high level playing <laughs> i'm going to be doing i don't know what it is i have no idea uh uh we will we'll, i guess we'll call it just like uh top foolery to the to the highest like degree that's that's what my plan is <laughs> <laughs> when we play through dragon's dogma uh so uh with that is there anything else any like parting shots you want to give about dragon's dogma greg Oh jeez, it's just you know it's it's your typical Capcom game in that the more you put into it, the more you get out of it, um, and the more and you it pays off to lean on the resources that the, co the community has created. So you know check out the wiki, check out the Reddit, uh, and get into it. Absolutely, uh, Greg. Is there anything you'd like to promote? Uh, just that uh, I stream on Twitch at Lacquerware, L-A-C-Q-U-E-R-W-A-R-E, and um, that's where I'll be streaming my portion of the Dogma streams. Uh, I also stream regularly Monday through Thursdays, 8 to 11 p.m. Eastern.
So check me out. Uh, yes. Uh, Greg does really great uh, streams. Uh, his treasure streams were tremendous. <laughs> uh, I loved it. Especially Astro Boy. Not, not enough people give Astro Boy for the GBA enough love. That game is great. Is so that good. whole Astro that whole Astro Boy resurgence from the early 2000s was was really really good. Um, but yeah, Greg does really uh, a lot of really great games. So please go check out Lack Aware. Uh, you can follow me on Twitch at Tur- uh, at Turbo Bison or Turbo Bison on Twitch, uh, where uh, we'll be doing this. And then I think the next thing I'm going to be doing after we do our Dragon's Dogma thing, I'm going to do a full playthrough of Mother Three. Uh, a Ooh. lot of people, I always hear people like because like the big joke is like all every gamer wants mother three made but like i've I've been interacting with a lot of people who've never played through or seen through mother three and i want to change that mother three is probably my favorite game of all time oh, wow. uh with a uh, completely have you played it yeah i just uh, <laughs> i just finished it um <laughs> yeah. like a month or two ago it was a file i started back in like 2009 and was just chipping away <laughs> right. at over the years it's still you know like i had forgotten some of the plot points but it still got me oh man it's it's yeah. pretty that, gut-wrenching <laughs> that ending is one of the most beautiful endings in games yeah. and it's just like Ah, it just it, it it hits me every time. So I'm gonna do a complete uh, playthrough of Mother Three. Uh, shout out to uh, Tomato for a great translation pack because, like, there's there's a generation of gamers who would probably have never played that without that translation pack. Um, yeah. But yeah. Um, so that's coming up. Uh, you can follow us over here, of course. Um, follow me on Twitter at uh, Travis L Foster. You can follow Greg on Twitter at Lacquerware. Lacquer um, leaks. I couldn't get lacquer. Lacquer leaks. I'm sorry. <laughs> lacquer leaks. That's right. I was looking. I was like, like I was like, lacquer leaks. Yeah, lacquer leaks. I, I need to do Twitter. something about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, hey man, like, look, this is my branding. You don't need that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you can follow this show on Twitter at PNBcast. Uh, you can listen to me and Greg. We are usually on a Laser Time show, but mainly VG uh, VG Game Apocalypse. So if you want to hear us talk about video games on another podcast, uh, it's there. Um, so yeah, for Greg and myself, uh, this has been Grind Forever. If you can, go listen to the original opening to Dragon's Dogma. <laughs> uh, I love Dark Arisen. I think those games are really fine. However, that original opening is so fucking good. It's just so good. It's just like great. It's like this very op- like serene opening that goes into like that weird hard rock that that Capcom was doing flying in into the free yeah that's that's flying the band B's B B apostrophe Z oh, look them up it's so good <laughs> it's so good uh, but thank you guys thank you and we are. Out.